0: Well, it was nice to see Marco and having a lovely time anyway, wasn't it? Welcome back to the Anacond Chelsea podcast, ladies and gentlemen. With me, your host, Yann. What a Box office game, man. Absolute box office. Welcome back to the Premier League, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, Jose returning to the bridge. And boy, did he return. Not the game that anyone expected. Full of drama, fun, uncertainty, concern, and celebration. Today, (laughs) I'm going to be looking back at this game. Um, I might talk about the bait uh, game at home, the Europa League game, and look ahead to the weekend, and um, yeah man, answer a couple of questions, let's get into it. It feels good to be back man, a little word for the international break, usually we all find it boring, but if, as you will know, I am indeed English, and um, yeah... <laughs> That win against Spain away in Seville, excellent. Um, not relevant to all you CFC fans out there who don't really give a shit about England, but it was a big moment for me. You know, great performance, absolute sucker punch to the Spanish elite. And what is um, relevant is Ross Barkley had a wicked game, and he has been looking really good. I guess more on Ross later. Um, making uh, making life difficult for Sari in the uh, in the Kovacic. Uh, is it Kovacic or Kovacic because I alternate all the time I'm asking a question to uh, a microphone that can't answer me anyway so he's been excellent I really enjoyed England and the international break generally has been a bit of a an entertaining one you know what with the demise of Germany and the the rise again or uh, Holland rising again been interesting but anyway Chelsea so let's look at it man we've all waited for the international break to come back um, all excited at Stamford Bridge, Eden Hazard's on fire, we're looking really good, Man United are looking awful, um, I think everyone was predicting a win, well it's the kind of game that was either going to go how it went, or maybe we were going to like win 3-1, 3-0, but you know, it's annoying, well it's not annoying, it, you just can't sleep on this United team, they just pull out these second half performances every now and again and um, frustrate the opponent because they it's almost like it's part of the strategy to, to come out in the first half and, um, you know, masquerade as a football team or one pretending to be and then actually turning into one in the second half. But yeah, the hype was real for this game. The return of Jose once again. Last time he came back to the bridge for the first time since we hired a new Italian manager. It didn't go so well for him. And it was great for Chelsea fans. So, I mean, loads and loads of hype also. There was the sort of, um, there was the Matthew Harding um, flag for Eden Hazard going over all the fans. A big Eden Hazard one. There's a great picture on his Instagram of him looking over to it. Hopefully that pulled at his heartstrings. I've been talking about Eden Hazard a lot on my Twitter. Incidentally, he was, he found it difficult in this game. Um, As you would imagine, Jose could see what he's been doing in the league recently been talking about how he does think he is the best player in the league. So he's obviously gonna try and stop him from playing. That's what a smart coach would do. And that's what Jose did, and he tried to stop all pathways to Jorginho, which is like the heart of this Chelsea Sari system. So the lineup Kepo reads a in goal, he went on to concede two goals. Um neither of them you could really you know, fought him massively. He actually made some good saves. So he continued what I'd call good form. Kepo Rizabalaga. Back four of the standard Rudiger and Louise. Rudiger had an excellent game. Obviously taking his goal quite well when he lost Paul Pogba. Louise made some mistakes. But generally I like how he's playing. And so close to scoring that header to make it 2-0. Fullbacks as expected as Plaqueta and Alonso. Um, words on Azpilicueta would be not a huge, huge impact. There was a little funny moment when Mata Faldemar got the yellow card and he he gave, because they're obviously good friends, he gave him a little sly smile and kick, which was quite fun. One of the things about this game, there was good nature throughout. There is a lot of friendships between these players and, you know, it was, you know, when Rudiger (laughs) lost Pogba for the first time on the next corner... He like, tried to push him away and had a little laugh, and there were smiles between him, like, I'm not losing you again, mate. So it wasn't, although it was very um, well-contested and competitive, it was kind of like, it wasn't nasty. It was kind of nice, even when there was a bit of drama at the end. You, know, you could tell there's a lot of relationships throughout the, these two teams. Probably more disappointingly at left-back, Alonso didn't have a very good game, in my opinion. Um, maybe okay going forward. He's been a little bit more reserved going forward now. And defensively, he's been exposed a little bit. Um, and also, when he's laying in the in the box, in my eyes, feigning injury. Excuse me. He should just get up, and you know, even if he's limping about, trying to get the refs' attention. Like, dude, he got me. Just Get up, man. That you can tell the whistle's not gone. They're playing on around you. You've been carved open. Martial gets a tap in. Who was excellent in this game? Looks like uh, United have now recognizing him <laughs> finally, and he won't eventually sign to Chelsea like many of us dreamed. Midfield of, as expected, Jorginho anchoring in his reduced role. Um, flanked by his ever-present number eight. Well, not necessarily ever-present, but we did start with Kovacic. He was, he was pretty good. He, he, he demonstrated some of his excellent dribbling ability, but also just demonstrated how he's just not a goal threat. Um, and then Golo Kante on the other side. Pretty good game, solid. You know, he's never awful, is he? Um, I think he did get forward a little bit, but... You know this this game doesn't reflect on the midfield performance too much. I'd argue, apart from lack of a sort of goal threat, which um, our substitute Ross Barkley came on and provided. Granted, it was a sort of tap in when uh, at the scramble at the end. But uh, I, there's just something about Ross that he wants to get involved. He's so committed and like putting everything in it and fearless. He'll take responsibility, and you know, he take this long shot and hit the bar and just go over the bar, and he's like, bollocks, do you know this? I can see a sort of, um we're stuck in a rut here, we've got some sort of systematic negative dance going on where we're not breaking through. I'm going to come in, shake things up, and do something a little bit different, and that's what Russ does, so, you know, is that a... This is a sort of super-sub mentality, or is this, is this um, proof that he should start be starting a few games? Like, maybe try Kovacic in midweek and start Barkley away at Burnley? I don't know. Up front, we started with Morata, um, and flanked by Eden Hazard on the left, and Willian starting instead of Pedro on the right. Let's put a pin in Morata for a moment. I think Willian was relatively ineffective, it's he's such a weird anom- an anomaly because chelsea fans know what they get with him he's very talented on the ball great with his feet can score the excellent goal generally pretty good at link up play but he just never finishes off moves and i don't know he's he's limited like from people looking people from the outside looking in could probably just be like oh yeah look he's a great player why are you all stressed out and you know he's 30 now and he's just he's a good squad player but we need like we need our starting right wing that's just excellent. Because as it stands, Pedro and William are both sort of similar level of quality. Um, Pedro looks to be more suited to the Sari system and a bit more of a goal for it. But in terms of quality of play, I'd put them right at the same. And we need someone a little bit younger and a little bit higher quality to really start making this attack dynamic and effective. Um, that's super important. So the club really should be looking, maybe even in January, I mean that might be a sort of kick in the ass for both of them too, but I don't know, I'm sure people will talk about this on Twitter and social and this, that and the other about what all our opinions are on the right wing, um, in terms of left wing, obviously one of those can go over, we've got the main man, Eden Hazard, and um, hopefully one day hudson Adoy. but that's, um, I'm not going to get into that today, but there is some conspiracy that he's not featuring anywhere, Um, Because of a contract situation whether that's true or not. I do not know and we will sort of that conspiracy theory might be furthered This this Thursday if he doesn't play at home Who knows man? Maybe we'll talk about that next week probably will that we scored two goals in this game and that should have been enough, but I Think we should probably won two one. I'm not saying they didn't deserve the draw because we came back and snatched it last minute Yeah, so I don't know, we should have just tied the game up earlier in terms of ability, form, and play style. We shouldn't have let it get to that point. And then Martial was excellent, but certainly the first goal, uh, his finish was excellent for the second. Absolutely bottom right corner. We shouldn't have been in that position after the first goal anyway, so I'm happy to to take the point in the end. It did feel like a victory for a short amount of time and until you had time to reflect. But, I don't know, man. I think the most telling Um, demonstration of what Chelsea FC is lacking is the striker man I mean hindsight dictates we should have started Giroud many of people wanted us to start Giroud but you can understand why Sari started Morata he wants to coach him you know this guy's good on the ball and he's got ability and the club's almost undoubtedly said to him look man make this investment work he's a lot of money he's young he's got ability you're a good striker coach from a History dictates that's the case. So there's so many sort of um, foundational pillars here of why he would start Morata. But is it time to just not say, look, mate, you are not starting the Premier League now. You know, you can have cups. You can have you can have um, Europa League. I think they probably started him because of his, like, header from last season against United. And, you know, I don't know, man. Anyway, I think his time is done. In the Premier League, starting for the moment, unless sorry thinks otherwise, I suppose. Yeah, so it's two all. Ross Barkley comes on uh, as a as a substitute in the second half, and he scores the ninety sixth minute equalizer, which is always absolute box office. Yeah, it was just good fun, man. I mean, I don't want to get into this too much, but the Marco Ianni celebration in front of Jozo—it's just um, blown out of proportion. It was a load of fun because there caused like some you know fights, fighting and. I don't know, whatever, handbags outside the tunnel at the end, but it was some dude who's probably quite a young coach, inexperienced. He just got excited. He's, like, giving it some. I mean, well, come on. <laughs> you know, it's just, he didn't, like, stick some fingers up at Jose, get his ass out in his face. He was just giving him a bit, you know. He loved, it was a last-minute equaliser. Jose's quite a sort of, um, can be an unsavoury character at the best of the times. It was fine, you know, he apologized. Sorry, he's a very, very measured man. And, you know, again, this is demonstrated from him apologizing to Jose immediately, showing him respect, making the coach apologize, and just throwing a glass of water on the whole thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, you know, I, uh, it's just bollocks. There's going to be headlines forever in it. But Jose, somehow, <laughs> even to a degree, I think he subconsciously makes it about him. Obviously, it was a very reactive, instantaneous thing, Jose doing, getting up and getting angry. But. I feel like part of him knows, like, yeah, this will make it about me. You know, it's something internal that works in a split, split second, an instinctive reaction. So yeah, it was funny. It was box office. It was good fun. So I was, I was celebrating the last minute equaliser, um, and then laughing at all the drama at the end. So it was very much a sort of welcome back to the Premier League, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Here, here's some fun for you. And uh, yeah, it didn't disappoint. So, um. Other than that, you know, like I said, uh, Pedro came on, didn't do much, he was a bit late, sort of, um, it was that kind of game, really. Uh, Ross Barkley came on, and Giroud came on, through Three predictable substitutions. I would have started Pedro and Giroud in the first place, but I'm not a coach, guys, and I don't coach Chelsea FC, you're, you're probably all pleased about. <laughs> so, yeah, that's enough of that uh, game. Uh, You know, Eden Hazard, the the, the break, the international break, probably came at a bad time in terms of his form. Um, Not that he was bad for Belgium or anything, but it would have been, like, good to continue his um, scintillating firing form in England in the Premier League, and that might have served us better in the United game. But like I said, I think Jose probably did a job on him. They left a few on him. You know, Ashley Young was was doing work on him, which, you know, Chelsea fans hate, but a few were sort of a neutral... Spectator, you'd sort of understand. <laughs> so um, hopefully, sort like I said, the, the the only real story of Hazard at the moment is keeping in form and hopefully signing a contract. But I've, you know, I've beaten that dead horse quite a lot recently. So until there's some sort of progress, I'm not going to talk about it again. And I think we're probably going to move on from that game. Uh, yeah, great fun, a little bit disappointed, but also very entertained. Let's move on. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Before I do preview the upcoming two games against Bait at home and Burnley away, um, I will talk about Morata a bit more. But I want to talk about him at the end of the pod. A quick um, expansion on Ross Barkley, the fifteen million pound man that that people thought would get lost into the ether and become just a thirty pound turnover, fifteen million profit investment job. He has arrived as a Chelsea player. His little scouser interview when, he, you know, you know, you know, first arrived, like, I want to be the best, I want to be the bestest midfielder of the world, Chelsea's this platform. I just didn't even really listen to it, I felt bad for him, because I was like, yeah, alright, mate. I mean, he was excellent years ago, he was sort of touted as this wonder kid that then got injuries, and no one really knew what to think of him. But yeah, that season, sort of, when he was playing with Lukaku, and being very creative, feeding him goals, scoring a few himself creating chances, being like um, a dominant force, uh, whether it was in like a sort of eight or a, a ten. But um, he's a player, man. He's at a ripe age. He's been playing well for England. And he wants to play well for Chelsea. He just, you know, you hear him talk and he's like, he's... <laughs> I mean, one one thing more than anything that's just so telling, he's so happy to be playing with Eden Hazard He's because he just thinks he's one of the best players in the world, which he is, right? So <clears throat> he just appreciates that he gets to link up with him and his career is in a place now where, you know, he's playing with world-class class players and he's on this uh, big stage and it's all gone really well for him and, and, you know, good for him, man, because he he worked hard, he kept his head down, he didn't get his chances under Conte and he knew Sari was coming probably at, uh, earlier than we did. And started studying the Napoli system, approached the gaffer when he arrived. He, you know, sorry, wouldn't have known anything about Barkley. Um, he would have probably been told by the club that we're negotiating a deal for Kovacic, who he, he would have been aware of, cause of it just it purely because of his profile. And he would have started implementing him into his midfield plans, but Barkley's certainly thrown a spanner in the works with that. So, um you know good on him he he could be that goal for it. um english number 8 i you know i made that photoshop of a, of him and frank lampard in like in like a football stadium in blue mist it, it was it a mixed reviews of how that was received but um you know i'm not saying he's as good as frank lampard i'm saying he's our new english number 8 who could sort of fill um shoes stylistically to a degree Whatever still I'm very very pleased with him he's you know like I said he's at a ripe old age, and he could be awesome man, he's very strong, he's built for the prem, and he's gonna take like I said previously responsibility in the sense of hitting shots from outside the box and um just getting stuck in and holding up the ball and he's quite technical, he's good, you know like um linking up play and he's a bit of a dribbler and whatnot, so um yeah, good on ross, good on him, right, okay, that's enough of that. I've said my piece of Ross Barkley. Let's talk about um, the upcoming games. Now, again, with the uh, the Bait game at home, it's a Europa League. Oh, the first two were 1-0. I probably expect much of the same, not in terms of necessarily the scoreline, but a rotated squad, more of a B team than a youth team. I know uh, Bait have been in the Champions League, haven't they? So I don't know much about them, but... Um, it should be one of the easier fixtures of the group and again, you know, like I've just said uh, quite pr- uh, recently about Callum hudson whether he's going to play, whether Ampadu's still injured. I think he might be, actually. Are we going to see any of these kids? Is Sorry going to take the risk? Are they available? Is there a deeper conspiracy involving contracts? Or is this going to be a game where Morata can have basically 90 minutes? Giroux will be saved for the, uh, the, the ruck up at Turf Moor. <laughs> which would probably make much more sense. And, you know, what's going to happen? He's going to play on the flanks? Are we going to see Fabregas again? Are we going to see... Uh, being honest, he'll probably play Riza Belaga. I, I, I don't think he's going to play Willy Caballero, really. I think he just wants to get his money's worth and get as much practice in Riza Belaga as possible. We'll probably see Christensen and Cahill. There was that stuff about Christensen recently in a press conference how his dad, who's his agent, which is just dumb is trying to sort of flog him out, saying, yeah, he's not playing, he came back to Chelsea to be a starter, this, that. And the other, Sari was like, look, Rudiger and Louise have been excellent, my, the exact players I want to play, and Europa League's incredibly important for us, and Christensen's got an opportunity there. Um, So we'll see what happens. Him and Cahill, I imagine. We'll have to see what happens to Cahill, actually, whether he's going to go in January or not, because, you know, mid Mid sort of table Premier League teams would actually snap up Gary Cahill still very much so, I imagine. So, I reckon there's probably, uh, depending on what's left on his contract, if there's nothing, but if there's a you know a couple of years, you get like 50, 15 20 20 million or something for Gary Cahill, I imagine. Um yeah, and then fullbacks will rotate to Zappa Costa and Emerson. One would imagine rotate the midfield and yada yada yada. So, you know, again, it's probably a game that we should on um, in terms of how the, the club comparison is. It's the kind of game that we should be romping, but we'll probably sneak away over one, <laughs> of one goal margin, winning margin again. Sod's bloody law. So um, that's going to be the bait game. I can't tell you more really until we see it, but we'll review it. Hopefully some exciting stuff happens and we can reflect upon that and implement it into the Grand Chelsea perspective. Um. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um. All right, guys. So t- t- Turf Moor. Man, that used to be a difficult place to go. I don't know. I think Burnley are in pretty rough shape this season. Um. It started from the beginning when there was... In the Europa League qualifiers and gotten maybe like, did they get into the group or did they? I think they might have messed up in qualifiers, but they played a bunch of additional games, and it screwed them up. You know, they couldn't they couldn't deal with it. Um, they're in really bad form. The Burnley of old or recent old, if that's even a term, weren't there. Their defensive rigidity was gone. Um, there was this sort of idea that. Sean Dyche's Burnley now is going to be more expansive in scoring goals. And there was, whether it was at the end of last season or a point of the season, anyway, they looked like they could suddenly start scoring goals. No matter what happens, it's going to to be a cold away day at Turf Moor. It's going to be windy. It's going to be a a testing place. And back in the day, that would be a hard fixture, you know, our, like, exotic, (laughs) our, like, sort of European, South American... Sort of softer players that like that, like the heat and balling on like dry ground or you know, like soft ground, all suffered to the sort of like Republic of Burnley. <laughs> all these Irish lads who like fought war, war up and turf, war in the cold, you know, and it was very much an environmental thing that gave them the edge. So, with that that sort of a content, that contextually should still exist, but I'm not sure we should be winning this game in terms of what our ability's been. Uh, what we've been demonstrating recently, and in terms of ability, if we just play our game up in Burnley, we should win the game. Now, whether we're going to be completely reliant on Eden Hazard, picking up some form and scoring some goals again, I don't know. But again, again, Burnley have been different this season, but on paper they should be like a stern test, good defensively, and good in set pieces, defending them rather, and you know... If they're going to play like a narrow block, then Chelsea might rely on set pieces and Burnley maybe previously traditionally are hard to break down like that. But it's a new season and it's still early and, you know, the stories and the narratives are still settling in. So we will have to see. Um, I think we will win. We sort of have to. Uh, it was. It's a shame we couldn't go 10 points clear of Man United, but they're playing... Everton, who just won 2-0 last night. And they do look good, Everton. So, um, let's hope we can pull away from them even more, which would be quite funny. Uh, Man City look different, Gravy. <laughs> I'm just thinking about who's around us. It, I think we're going to be level on points with um, Spurs and Arsenal now. And two points behind... Um, yeah, City and Liverpool. Dude, Man City look different, Gravy. I know I'm digressing from the Burnley game quickly, but look, hold on. there's not much to say about the Burnley game. I'm gonna, It's going to be a hard hard game, but we're going to win 2-0. <laughs> a goal from a midfielder and a goal from Eden Hazard. How about that? Um, hopefully keep a clean sheet, and it's a comprehensive, nice 2-0 win. Let's quickly talk about the opposition. Well, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. Liverpool have been winning dirty this season. Dirty? I don't want to say they've been winning dirty. They've been winning when they've been playing poorly is what I'm trying to say. And that's worrying because that's the mark of champions. It's all very well Liverpool tearing people up and when they're on song and looking excellent but then, you know, being awful for a couple of games against the Minnows. But now they're playing bad and they're winning games 1-0. And that's what champions do. Whether they'll be uh, show enough of this champion characteristics to beat that fucking monster that is man city at the moment it's just been so frustrating because city lost kevin de bruyne and we all thought this was going to be the catalyst to help everyone to, you know shut the gap a little bit um but you know they've not missed a beat since that lads out um they came back on last game and they won 5-0 uh, against burnley actually so that's probably relevant to um it was at the etihad and I think when they, they did well up to a point but after the first goal, I think there was a bit of capitulation. And <laughs> bless, bless Joe Hart, the return for him wasn't such a happy return. But, um, yeah, they looked different gravy. You know, Mares with a great finish. He's, um He's got that in his locker to score some good long-range goals. And, and they were just knocking about. They got their confidence. They knew the game was won. And it was just sort of systematic and almost quite mechanical by the end. Um, I didn't actually watch the game. I watched the highlights. Um so yeah, they look they look like a different beast. I don't think Chelsea were ever expected to compete with them. I think Chelsea's main target was to try and get back in the top four and it looks like that should be uh, a realistic target. People were just really impressed of how quickly, you know, sorry, deprogrammed five, four, five years of defensive football out of these players and tried to implement a new style and... In very little time, he wasn't even there at the beginning of pre-season. So it's very, very impressive for Chelsea. You know, we all got a bit over-excited when we started incredibly well, but we've done incredibly well, you know? Um, Fun fact, Chelsea is still the only team in in England to be undefeated in all competitions. Long may it continue, we've got some few very, very winnable games in front of us. Five of them, I think. So, you know, well, let's see what happens. Um continue great form play some entertaining good football and somewhere along the way we might um lock down a little Belgium and um come January we might sign a player or two whether that's the case or not I don't know but I'm en- I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the journey I'm enjoying how uh, Sari's holding um you know how he's holding himself how he's uh, presenting himself in terms of talking to the media um he's just a very measured man again apologize for going on loads of uh, tangents here I was, But, you know, I'm done talking about Burnley now. I just think it's a a nice change from these fiery previous two characters we've had. I mean, you know, Pep Pep's uh, maybe the best coach in the world, right? But he's still a bit nuts, isn't he? He's got that sort of, like, unhinged element to him when he just looks like he's a bit crazy. Which probably comes when you've got that much sort of talent or whatever. But it also comes when you've been sort of, like, in this world of football for your whole life which, you know, Pep has been, and then, you know, sari has got this sort of laid back, like, he was just a dude working in a job, he was like a banker, you know, he sort of travelled round, he was just a regular guy, he just loved football, and got into it, you know, he's coaching Sunday League, and he's almost like a guy looking in that just finds himself managing Chelsea. <laughs> I know he's had big jobs like Empoli and Napoli, well, as big as you perceive them, you know, Napoli's certainly a big job, but he's um he's almost got that sort of, like, uh, not externalised, but he's just like a... He, you know, he just, He hasn't been sort of bred in this football machine. He's just come in and he turns out he's really good at it. But he's sort of respectful, chill, measured, tranquil. Uncle Sorry is a cool guy. And I think a lot of people like him. He's, I don't think anyone in the league will have any problem. Conte. Conte was fun. Everyone enjoyed him because, you know, he was jumping around the fans. He was quite... Um, not timid, but he was, you know, he didn't didn't come out or wasn't very fiery at the beginning. But you know, he's still the kind of like he's got a bit of Mourinho in him. People can dislike Conte, but I don't think that's the case with Sari. He's a really sort of soft guy. He likes to have a little bit of a giggle. He just wants everyone to have fun. His philosophy with football is fun. Express yourself, um, and he plays just a really entertaining brand of football. So all those things t- together considered. I don't think anyone can dislike Sarri, which is a nice change to have a really soft, likeable manager at Chelsea. A uh, lot like uh, Ancelotti was to a degree. So yeah, we'll see what happens with the games. I'll do a pod next week and we'll talk about the results. Um, hopefully a couple of wins. We'll have to see. Um, I'm gonna, I've got a couple of questions to answer, so let's do social media questions. All right. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to the uh, social media questions section of the pod, guys. I've got three or four questions, I'm going to answer a couple. Um, well, i got a few more, but a lot of them were regarding Alvaro Morata. So let's get into it, shall we? I've spoken at length about Morata, about how... He has got, un, you know, undeniable ability that's been demonstrated in multiple different countries, leagues, at big clubs, scoring goals in huge games, the biggest of games, starting incredibly well in his Chelsea career, and just generally being mentally frail and being a confidence player, which is a, a dangerous attribute for a striker at a big club like Chelsea. Um, I wanted to believe, but unfortunately, it's results business, and you don't have time to sort of nurture. Certain frailties, and I think the vast majority of the Chelsea contingent, the Chelsea fans and pundits are saying it's not going to work. I don't want to never say never. You know, he might start against Bate, have like a good game, score a hat-trick, find some confidence, come on a sub at Burnley, and score the winner after Giroud doesn't do anything. So we don't know, but (laughs) come January, I think we'll know. (laughs) Um for me, I can't. I can't. But I've maintained this perspective for a while now that <clears throat> even if he went on a huge scoring run now for like ten games, I'd still be worried. I wouldn't be feel safe with him. Uh, that's not to say that if he did do that, I'd want him out. I'd just think he could like drop off and get inside his head again at any moment. Um, so. You know, you felt safe with Costa, you felt safe with uh, Drogba, you know, these recent profile of Chelsea strikers, recent Chelsea pro- high-profile strikers, excuse me, and like I said, even if Morata found a bunch of form, you'd just be concerned, whereas Giroud, we know he doesn't really score, but we know the team is stronger with him in, is not offering anything, and although well, it's great to have... Giroud like that for an option, and he could play certain games, and he could come on and act as a tool in certain games. We need a twenty-goal, a season striker with Chelsea Football Club. It just it, we just need it. We 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 can try and you know stay in and around top four with some goals from Hazard, a couple from midfield, maybe right wing. But if we want to push for titles, we need a striker that's just not up for debate. It's just how football works at this level. Um. Oh my god! So yeah, loads of people ask about Morata. <laughs> Paul asks if we should uh, look within. Uh, look at maybe something. count Hudson at the door. It's it's you can't. I mean, we need to play him on a wing before we try and convert him back into a striker, and that needs to be another, another uh, competitions first. Um, and then Chris asked if he should be replaced in January. <laughs> a guy called Appier. Mandela says Morata should be out of the starting eleven forever. Uh, and then uh, yeah, Monty goes on. He talks. He, he asks about. Um, he talks about players and says, yeah, should we get bats back in January?" Okay, so uh, ooh, okay, I would absolutely take Batshwari back right now because if you swapped him and Morata in terms of the chances they're getting, he'd score more goals. He's good at linking up with Hazard, and he's um. He finishes chances in the box. He's not a world-class striker, but, you know, Sari is a good um, striker coach. And even if he can't fix Morata's mentality, which is fucking him up at the moment, he could probably get Mishy a bit more clinical. Mishy's a great finisher anyway. I'd absolutely take Bet back now. I'd recall him now, if we could. Like, tomorrow, if he doesn't have to wait till January, if we can, like, pay X amount or whatever, I'd just take him back now. There's this thing about Bachevai at Chelsea. Um, he doesn't train well, or he's a bit dim, bless him, and it's not great for coaches. But yeah, when you put a ball at his feet and he's in the, you know, he's in the box, he's just gonna score goals, and that's what we need. Ooh it's such a fucking bitch, isn't it? No. Sorry, right, I'm just in like despair thinking about the situation. So yeah, let, let's look at the options. Let's just argue that Morata isn't good enough. We need to replace him, ultimately, because two strikers is low anyway. So, bringing back Shway back fine, looking within promoting youth, could be a, an option. I don't see it happening at our, our club. Um, so, high-profile striker signing in January. I mean, that's just so expensive and difficult to execute. Who wants to, like, you know, the obvious, obvious choice in terms of age class of striker, maybe even stylistically, I think would be Mara alcardi from Inter Milan. He scored the last-minute stoppage time winner in the Milan derby. Yesterday, he's 25 years old, he's been the first uh, team striker for a long time, he's the captain of Inter, he's he's strong, he's powerful, he's, he's a leader, he's a never-die, he's technical. He's just a worldly striker. I mean, was he like top three, four? Centre forwards, like, number nines in the world. I mean, who would you say? Aguero, Kane. You know, Barcelona fans are losing their shit about how Suarez is dropping off. Lewandowski's great, but he's old. So in terms of, like, you know, Aguero's pretty 30 now. In terms of, like, strikers in their 20s that are world class, yeah, Firmino, but he's different, isn't he? He's not a 20-goal-a-season man because he's got the sort of super wingers, the goal-scoring wing. I'd probably, I'm i struggling, I'm obviously Harry Kane, but yeah, Cardi, <laughs> you know, so it's him, but how are you going to buy him in January? It costs ridiculous amounts of money, and they'd never want to let him go, and he loves Inter Milan, I know he's had trouble with the ultras, through some stuff in his book, and this, there, and the other, but it just seems way too difficult. If we were the champions, we were top of the league, but our striker broke his leg, and we could win the Champions League, that season then you know we might break the bank and go all in but with our rebuild situation I just don't see us spending especially after spending X amount on Kepa balaga I don't see us spending 120 million to try and pry pry him away. away um, especially if we want to get a right wing and this that and the other so it's very very difficult maybe we'd like Again, buying a right wing in January, that's going to really upset um, um, Pedro and Willian as well. So, I don't know, man. We could buy no one in January and recall Batshuayi and I'd feel better about this situation. I feel bad for Morata because I quite like him as a player stylistically, but you don't see enough of that. Like, in this game against United, he's just on the fucking floor all the time. This is such a explicit episode of the podcast, always on the floor, he's a strong guy as well, and like, get up and fight, anyway, we've all hit that drum so many times, so, I'm with you guys, listener, you sitting there, listening to me whinge about Morata, I feel for you, I feel for all Chelsea fans, and I feel for Morata as well, it's, you know, he wanted to work, He, he started so well, he got his little song, ugh. Okay, so that's enough on Morata. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, Monty, you, you went on. Monty at SW 6 You went on to talk about a uh, formation a little bit more, bro. Um, you talked about four four two to fit in Kovačić and Barkley. Okay, so that no, that's an interesting one. And do we need to play four at the back? Um, I think we should stay at four at the back. I actually think it suits uh, high possession football better. A four four two, like a, I think like a diamond. So. Yeah, maybe. So we are the four tip base of the diamond. You've obviously got um, Jorginho registering, or even like that. You know what? Let's okay, all right. So let's go like a four four two, but let's put um, let's put uh, Kante back at, at, as the the mopping up role right at the bottom, and then in the middle of the diamond you could have Georgino and Kovacic, that comes forward, and then you could have Barkley at the tip of the diamond in the 10, getting into the box and scoring, and then the two up top would be Hazard, and seeing as our strikers are shit anyway, Pedro. Boom! <laughs> goal frets. The 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 two strikers in Pedro and Hazard are goal frets, Barkley's a goal threat at the tip of the diamond. The only thing is would be we couldn't play everything through Jorginho, the the Register role would be compromised. I I know what you're saying in terms of just filling filling in gaps with players that are good, but obviously Sari's never played a um a four four two and he never will. He says he only knows how to play four three three, but he actually did play a four two three one against Liverpool, and that's really suits us because the base of the two, the two in midfield, the deep two, was Jorginho, and it was Kante. Um A lot still went through Jorginho, but I think probably not as much due to where he's situated. But, you know, and then you've got, so you've got Kante and Jorginho being safe, and then you've got a whole line of free midfielders. Um, I know we played uh, Moses, I think, as a right winger, which was his original native position. But yeah, we could have, you know, Pedro Barkley and Hazard behind the striker. Um, I'm yet. We yet to see. One thing I didn't talk about is using a force nine, which obviously when he sold Iguain, sorry, he did very well with Dries Mertens and he exploded. So, and that could work for both Pedro and Hazard. So let's see what happens. I forgot to sort of mention that, but <clears throat> I don't see, I see. It's still the 20 goal a season mantle of a normal striker. But yeah. In terms of formation, uh, I just it, for us to keep to keep developing what we're doing stylistically. I really think it has to be 4-3-3, three, three. So the biggest sort of change we might see is the false nine. Excuse me, the six. Yeah, so it's it's similar questions here, formation and strikers. So I've talked about Morata at length, and uh, yeah, I think I'm probably going to wrap it up, guys. I've really enjoyed this podcast. I love. But I was really looking forward to driving to the studio and talking about the epic um the epic clash at the bridge of jose, so let's start to wrap it up. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening to my podcast once again um I know there's a few regs now listening um numbers have gone up a little bit. I really appreciate it. um I just love talking about Chelsea's, you know, and I love the platform and I love talking to you guys. Uh yeah, I do I do um wanna get a guest on uh at some point. I need to look at the technical side of getting a call in through into my studio and and, and sort of editing it like that. I'll probably uh take suggestions from you guys to see if there's uh, someone that you'd like me to get onto the podcast that's a sort of just you know, a Chelsea social media account or something and um I'll uh, you know, contact them and see if I can just get a little segment with them to sort of edit into the pod. See how we go from there. Yeah, please, please, please guys, if you um wanna help me out in terms of developing the pod and keeping it going, could you please check out my podcast on iTunes and give me a good rating, preferably five stars, sub on whatever sort of um app platform you're using to listen to the podcast. But yeah, if you could just you can do it on the website, you can do it on the on your MacBook or your iPhone or on the app, just go on iTunes, Yannick on Chelsea. Hit five stars. Maybe write a little pleasant review for me to read. Um, it, it all helps the podcast. It supports the podcast. Obviously, it's a free podcast that I just want you guys to listen to. But I want more people to listen to it. And that can help. So I'd really appreciate if you guys could do that. Super easy. Takes no time at all. Hit me up on Twitter. At um, Chelsea Yannick. That's where I do all my most uh, Chelsea talkings. Chelsea talkings. There you go. A good bit of English for you there. Um, and yeah, just I do a lot of Photoshop editings, talking about stats, transfers, news, just and just my opinions on Chelsea stuff. So once again, thank you very much for joining me on the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Up the Chelsea, keep the blue flag flying high, carefree wherever you may be, listener. And I will see you later.